0: You're listening to the Tuesday Talks Podcast, your source of truth in communications, identity management, and technology, hosted by Numerical.
1: Welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we shed light and bring truth to emerging topics in the communications industry. I'm Rebecca Johnson, founder and CEO of Numerical, and I'll be co-hosting today's session with Molly Weiss, our Vice President of Marketing and Communications. So today, we're shifting gears away from a discussion on emerging technologies and over to a discussion on best practices for how to market to these technologies. So when we're looking at from Numerical's perspective of marketing and getting engaged with our partners, it's so much more than just getting out who we are in the industry It's also about how do we support our customers? How do we support the industry as a whole and move it along? And how do we lead? Because we're a leading type of company. So there's so much involved just to get that aspect of marketing into the industry for change to happen. So this is why today I have invited Molly to join us. Uh, So we're gonna discuss our kind of non-traditional approach to marketing, I think I'd say, Molly.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Rebecca. And hi, everyone. I'm excited today to talk more about marketing and share some strategies that you all can take away to inspire your own marketing teams. Excellent.
1: So, Molly, I hate to tell you, but right off the get-go, when I first started the company, everybody told me, save your money, don't do marketing (laughs) from day one. And you know what? I have had the privilege to actually work with some incredible marketing teams Uh, over my career. And I realized, I was like, no, I I actually think marketing is one of the absolute key roles that I need for my startup team here, right? I've got to have technology, I've got to have sales, and I got to have marketing. It just wasn't an option. But uh, unfortunately, Molly, (laughs) what also wasn't an option was a budget. (laughs) We had a budget of zero dollars for marketing. And I remember talking with you when we were first interviewing. And, um, you know, of course, you blew me away with just your vision and your insight and how your approach was to marketing. Um, But, you know, we were real and honest, and I just didn't have a budget for marketing and asked you if you could still achieve it. So, you know, Molly, how did you take what we had, your limitation of $0 budget, and create a multifaceted campaign to launch Numerical?
0: So, i knew without a budget i'd have to get extremely creative and so i remember starting by making a list of every element that i could think of that we could possibly accomplish on the cheap made a focus not out of the channels of distribution that we were able to achieve but really out of the messaging behind where we were distributing it and so you know thinking about your prospective customers uh, and their partners, they're constantly out there looking to solve some problem, whatever that may be related to your own business. And so when you have the answer to that problem to make it known people will be able to find you and come to you for it, whether you're paying to advertise that or not. So you just have to make sure that you're putting the answers out there in multiple places, described in multiple different kinds of ways. So instead of being that best kept secret, you're actually this exciting new secret expert that people have not heard of yet until now when they've just discovered you. So it makes them even more excited you know, because they think they're in on some kind of a secret.
1: So you mentioned not needing to pay someone else to put the spotlight on you. And this is certainly something Numerical has seen a lot of from offers to pay to have our product listed on the top 100 of the industry. Um, I've been offered to be uh, the top leader in the industry in some magazine that I, I swear I've never even heard of. So there's a lot of like easy pay to play solutions out there that you know, honestly we've intentionally avoided. So can you speak more to you know why companies shouldn't focus on raising funds for this type of activity?
0: Yeah, the way I look at it is when you pay to be featured in an article, you're really switching out of the world of journalism and into that world of advertising. Though it's more time consuming, it's 100% possible to be featured in an article based on the merits of your work and the unique problems that your company is solving. And nine times out of 10, It's going to be in a publication or a platform that your prospective customers are actually consuming. I remember the first
1: time that Numerical was featured in the New York Times, and it was not because we were an advertiser. It was 100% because they were collecting research for an article and found Numerical as an expert in our field.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's directly tied to our approach of positioning leadership where we actually are leaders, rather than advertising some kind of smoke and mirrors leadership where you're paying to become a part of someone else's marketing. Yeah. And it all goes back to that strategy of making sure that you're able to be found and that you are visible to those who are searching for the solutions in your area of expertise.
1: Right. And so being visible and making technology leadership accessible to those in need of a solution is really exactly how we started growing our client base, just starting out.
0: Yeah, for sure. So many of our early intro calls happened as the result of someone seeing you, Rebecca, uh, you know, on a panel or at an event, curiously starting to Google us and then reaching out. And once we picked up on this trend, Numerical made absolutely sure that we were at every industry association event that we could be at. And if the sponsorship fees were too heavy at the time, we simply offered to contribute our expertise and resources instead of through our pocketbook.
1: That's right, and uh, you know. <laughs> It made a road warrior out of me to say the least. Um, but you know, when when we weren't in a position to pay for the spotlight, I had to start moderating and leading panel discussions and chairing committees and volunteering to lead task forces. You know, each of those exposures genuinely led to new opportunities to speak and promote the brand as word spread about, you know, the unique solutions that we were solving. And none of this happened through a single sponsorship or advertising dollar, but through leadership, true leadership. And then I started my own industry association recently, you know, this year, the uh, Enterprise Communications Advocacy Council. Um, and as Molly knows, this, this one has opened the door to even more collaboration across the industry with such a matter experts in relevant fields
0: it definitely has and I would encourage any teams out there who are struggling to get their foot in the door of a larger event they're interested in and Rebecca we see this all the time there's some huge things out there that we wish we could be doing but especially when the cost is high my suggestion would be to explore what's on the agenda look for a place you think you can add expertise volunteer to speak. Or if you have a partner in the industry who's already speaking, ask if they need any help preparing their materials. And before you know it, suddenly they've invited you to join the panel discussion as well.
1: Right. And, and Molly, I believe this is really exactly how Numerical found its way onto those panel discussions in the past. And, you know, uh, there's definitely a, a marketing strategy around that with uh, the partnerships that we built. And it just kept repeating and repeating and repeating. So I think it's really important that those listening grasp this and understand it. So can you talk, I mean, you've, you've been leading those partnerships. Can you talk a little bit more about how those partnerships work?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've definitely found that partnerships go a very long way, especially when you can find partners who have big marketing budgets to spend but are short on resources to create the content to sponsor the events that they've already committed to. And i can speak from personal experience working for a previous company where i managed a one million dollar annual marketing budget we had tons of connections of publications we had sponsorship dollars we had trade show boosts that had already been paid for but we had no resource time to come up with anything relevant to publish or promote that hadn't already been done and in this world i found that your currency if it isn't there in the form of a budget Your currency is your own creativity your knowledge and your resource time so get sleuthy and talk to anyone and everyone that you're in business with searching for a partner who's in need of an extra set of hands and when you find this partner donate your time and energy to one of these partners in exchange for let's say joining them in a webinar that they're sponsoring Be the subject matter expert in somebody else's trade show booth. Ghostwrite a blog or an article for someone else and suddenly your partner has just become your advertising channel and your message is out there getting published yet you have not spent a dime.
1: I didn't know that I was going to learn something new about you today, (laughs) but here we are. I don't think I realized that um, you managed a million dollar budget, but this makes so much sense in your strategy and why it was so successful because you understand the other side of the relationship, which I think is so key for a relationship, a partnership to work. You have to understand where your partner's coming from. And it's, you know, it's been amazing to see Numerical, even in our early days of being a startup, volunteering <laughs> to take the lead on marketing materials necessary to launch you know, the new partner initiative that we had. And I think it's important by being flexible enough To represent our partners' brands. Molly, it's not always about you, right? It's about our partners. So representing our partners' brands in a way that pays respect to those brands. And we've not only earned the trust of our partners, but we've been able to get our name out there on the marquee with some pretty awesome major power players due to this ability to adapt and represent the mutual interests of our partners. Yeah,
0: exactly, Rebecca. And and that's where the tight communication between leadership teams and marketing is absolutely essential. As marketing people, we don't often get the opportunity to learn the ins and the outs of strategic partnerships and product roadmaps and you name it, anything else going on at those higher levels within the company. And even the most talented marketing teams out there can't usually create a compelling or creative message to promote a product or a solution when they aren't given that mind share to learn in an in-depth way what problems are being solved for the customers out there if we're not in on those conversations. And the difference that numerical has always been You've always made this a priority for me. So can you share some more insight for the other leaders who are on the call why this has been so critical to our success?
1: One thing I love about anyone who comes through the marketing space is they're creative people.
0: They really are. No one
1: chooses to go through uh, the training that they do and obtain the degrees and the experience unless they are creative and motivated. And we are really selling ourselves short on leveraging marketing just to do Email blasts, a website, and some PowerPoints, and a booth. If that's all you're getting from your marketing department, uh, chances are it's your leadership that's the problem. Um, I'm pretty sure nobody in marketing ever goes and gets that degree, and that's all they want to do. So, you know, the only way to get our vision out into the industry is through the marketing channel. And that really requires a relationship uh, with the executives and the marketing leadership that we're always in sync on the vision. And that vision can change, that vision can shift, um, but we have to be in sync and we talk weekly, daily. You know, this uh, every little activity that we do, I'm not micromanaging in any way, shape or form, but as the leader, you are responsible to uh, deposit that vision into the marketing leadership team. And it's the responsibility of the marketing team to capture what that vision is and make it their own. And I can say that for every leader within Numerical, each one has captured the vision of where we're going, and they translate that into their area of responsibility. And then we're all moving in the same you know, direction. So, Molly, I give you a lot of credit towards the ability to do
0: that, and that's why you're a leader uh, within the Numerical
1: uh, team here.
0: I think we're all synced up on this, too, for sure, in that... It's the leadership's team's job to create the vision for the company and the product team's job to define how the product works and what it is. And it's definitely the marketing team's job to create a way to describe all of this in a way that aligns with the goals that the customer is trying to meet. Because in the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And marketing here, I've always seen us as being the perfect kind of translator, the way to meet in the middle between the perspective that the clients are looking to obtain about something that they don't know exists yet, You know, looking for solutions that they don't know what they are, but they know that they need to solve a problem, And you want to be that solution that someone finds when they're Googling some problem that they're trying to solve. And you've got to present that in a messaging tone that feels comfortable, knowledgeable, and inviting for people to consume out there.
1: As you're talking, I was just thinking, too, of I have seen companies, um, and there are some that we go head to head with, uh, in the industry where it is so disjointed between the marketing and the executives and product how many times have people come to us and said well we got the powerpoint slide deck and it said they had this product but when it came down to it there is no product right so um you know having that leadership synced across the board i know that you have one-on-ones with anise as well um, it's really important to us to make sure that and to me it's an integrity it's an integrity issue uh if your marketing does not reflect what you truly offer so um can't can't speak enough <laughs> to the leadership um, so I think we've always taken the approach that we don't need to be also exactly like everyone else. Um, I'm certainly not. <laughs> so I wouldn't expect Numerical to be like everyone else in the market. And we've been successful at creating a voice of trust um, and approachability in the market that our clients have also come to trust. So what were your goals when creating the voice of Numerical?
0: So in the early days of being a startup, look back fondly at this time for us, it was all about creating a a sophisticated way of looking larger than we were, but not so large that we became unapproachable. And this actually might sound just really simplistic, you know, super obvious, but my actual strategy was just to convey the technology and the solutions in a down-to-earth way as much as possible just to describe the concepts truthfully in an unbiased way that we were trying to get across, describing things in a way as if you would describe it to a friend or your family members around the dinner table. And in the end, that style of communicating these technical concepts in a very conversational way became our foundation for easy-to-consume information that's relevant to businesses out there searching for the information that we were sharing.
1: And, and this kind of goes with my theme, which I've already said once on here, and I go, it's not about you. <laughs> um, it's, it, you know, and I say that to numerical, numerical, it's not about you, right? Uh, when it comes to marketing, it's about the customer and you're, and you're hitting it with regards to how we communicate what we can offer. So often I see companies get caught up in their color scheme, their fancy words, their little logos, and they create a whole product line that's named something that you can't figure out what the heck it is right like it's just become really all about promoting who they are so we just go really simple and we made that little mistake in the beginning and we stumbled and we figured out why don't people understand what we're saying um oh why don't we just tell them you know in simple concepts and simple words so I really think it's important that others do the same and not get caught up in these fancy logos, fancy words and all this other stuff that kind of loses the message of what you really wanna get across. So, you know, how what would be some tips? I want you to give some tips to those who are listening that can mimic this approach that we refer to as a, you know, conversational, approachable marketing style.
0: For sure. I'm gonna take that first part too, where you mentioned some of the, you know, we had some, some hurdles that we were trying to get over when we were launching these, you know, let's call them just trademarked names for things, right? And we found that people, they don't know our product names because they haven't talked to us yet. So they're not able to go search for this product name of something that they don't know exists. All they know is what they're trying to solve. They know what issues they're having. So we learned that pretty early on. We were wondering, why aren't we getting as much traction to the, let's just say, certain areas on the website that we think we should be getting? When you go look at the Google search terms, for example, we dig into the metrics and try to figure this all out, you find people time and time again searching for you know these issues they're having, not for our name of our product because they don't know what that is. So we made a flip early on to say, let's just stop trying to, to get fancy with everything and let's just call things what they are. And that's been super successful for us. And I'll say, you know with that, with the naming of everything, the descriptions of all of it, it's definitely been all about the content for us. And when we talk about conversationally delivering new content, we literally used conversations that we were having with customers and prospects to shape the way the content unfolded. If we had a few web inquiries from people coming and telling us, you know, my numbers keep showing up as spam likely and I don't know why, guess what our next blog post was titled? My numbers keep showing up as spam likely, and I don't know why, because you are literally trying to just answer people's questions. You know, you can't it's not scalable to continue to do this one on one. So you can't just wait to answer everybody's questions as they come in. You assume that a lot of people have the same question and you deliver it in a one to many strategy where, you know, you get a couple of common themes and you go for it. And using the actual conversations you're having with prospects and customers as a never-ending resource for ideas for new content for your marketing team is something I would definitely suggest. Sales teams out there, your feet on the street, anybody who's hearing it directly, voice of the customer, you're hearing again and again what people wanna know. Take that catalog it somewhere, give it to your marketing teams and have them just go run with it. And if you use this strategy, you're gonna lead people to contact you organically in an inbound type of a way, you can continue this flow of people coming in, continue to create that content that's addressing the real world problems or the curiosities of your audience. You can use this as a great way to supplement any of those traditional outbound promotional strategies such as again the traditional stuff, advertising, paying for email lists, sending sales teams out to Canvas for new business and whatever else you'll be, I promise, so busy tackling all of the inbound interest that you're getting that your marketing teams aren't even going to miss worrying about how to spend advertising dollars on pay-per-click campaigns and things like that that just have diminishing or inconclusive results.
1: Yep. And Molly, people ask, what is your outbound strategy? And I'm like, we are still dealing with the inbound. <laughs> and three years later, most of our leads are inbound. It's them reaching out to us from those avenues that you've set up. And it's just, it's, it's an incredible story and I know we are still writing the story and it is not finished yet but I'm just blown away and amazed with the work that you've done from day 1. It's it's an absolute honor and privilege and I told you this I think soon after the first presentation that you did I said Molly get ready take some notes because you're going to write a book about how to market on a budget of zero, and you will be giving talks. That is in your future. It's phenomenal. And I'm so excited that we got to do this (laughs) for the first time um, through uh, Tuesday Talks. So on this last note here, Molly, it looks like we have just a few uh, minutes left for some questions. And there's one that we got that I kind of want to participate in answering as well. I think it's a really good question. So as always, I'm going to let you kick off the question and provide your answer right away.
0: Okay, great. I love it. So question, this is a great one. So how do you get execs comfortable using social media or speaking on video? So I've got a perspective of this just from helping Rebecca try to deal with all these requests. Like, like we said, we get so much inbound activity, people wanting us to do things, be around and, and share our expertise and knowledge. So what I've found has been the most helpful strategy, at least prepping Rebecca for these types of activities or even managing any of it myself as I'm trying to go back and forth with scheduling and whatever else, making it as easy as possible to accomplish would be you know, top of the list here. Um, you know, I know the pandemic moved all of us out of physical offices into home offices. And in the past, maybe you could have had a marketing team help you set up a nice little area And walk you through lighting and how to turn the zoom on and how to do everything else, Um, get you some scripted notes and prep you, do AV testing, whatever. Now we can't really do that anymore. So it's just as important to provide those super specific details about how to, you know, what are the videos. Uh, goals. What are our expectations for what's going to happen? Exactly how long is it supposed to be? Exactly what are we going to talk about? Um, how to log in? Exactly. You know who is going to be watching? All those specifics really help execs become more comfortable because they know exactly what they're getting into. Take away any of that sort of fear about what might happen with the technology or what am I going to do? You just you just hand it to them and say, here's exactly what's happening at this time. And the same thing for for me would go for the social media interaction. Let your execs know exactly how you want them to interact with social media. Point them exactly to what you want them to interact with. Give them instructions, you know, share this, say this, do this. The clearer you can be with these types of media, the easier it's gonna be because executives do not have time to try to figure this out. So you've gotta spell it out for them to make it easy. And that way you can kind of get them used to it and then it becomes a start to be, you know, more of a part of their daily life.
1: Yeah. And Molly, I wanna add on that from the executive's perspective on the use of social media and doing, you know, videos such as this is um, in line with some of the points that you made with regards to being prepared. As an executive, we're going from meeting to meeting to meeting. No joke. We do these podcasts. I had a meeting right before and I'll have a meeting right after. And I have to shift um, complete brain, you know, thoughts and processes. So being prepared in advance and making time to do, uh, prepare for whatever you're going to say, Um, how you're going to structure, what your post is going to be. I just don't make social posts off of the whim. You know, there is thought put into it. Um, The other key element that I would say is definitely know your audience. I get interviewed by different groups whose audience is a totally different industry. And uh, if you want to be relevant and be seen as a leader, then you need to know who you're talking to. And you need to understand what their challenges are and speak specifically to it. If you stay in a generic realm, then you're just generic. Um, Sorry to tell you, but you are. So you've got to show that you understand. And I'll give a little example of this. Um, When I used to, my prior life, I did communications with regards to different industries, whether it was banking, healthcare, um, retail. And my biggest start was in healthcare. And you have to understand healthcare. You got to understand the terminology and the words. And I was mortified whenever I went into a board presentation and someone on our team was speaking to them as though they were the financial industry. Lost all credit. Our products were great. Our services were great. Everything about us was wonderful. Lost complete credibility in that one presentation because they didn't speak to the audience and understand the audience in the way that they wanna be communicated with. So I just think it's really important if you're at the executive level, no excuse. You should know who your audience is and your market. And trust your marketing team if they script some things for you. (laughs) So I think we have another question, Molly. We've got five more minutes here.
0: We do. I think we have one or two more here. So we had one that was pre-submitted, and this one was, what are some inexpensive strategies our marketing team should start exploring to get more creative with an existing budget? So I would say to this one, have your leadership team arm your marketing team with one key message that you're trying to have your customers understand. Not a million things, not, hey, marketing team, go promote this this more. You need, I need something super specific to work with, right? Once your team has that, there are a ton of amazing free tools out there, either for minimal subscription fees or even better, like a lot of the times they're free platforms. Just have to try to have an open mind, try a few things out, see what works for you, and never turn your nose up new channels that you haven't used before, um, a great example of which is this podcast. We thought let's try to find a new way to get uh, you know the spirit of trust and transparency across, and see if a conversational style will work for our followers. And we launched, we learned, we carry on. And the important thing to remember is that you've got to measure what's happening here as well. Check out and see what new types of activities you're launching that people are interacting with constantly. Ones that aren't working, cut them, move on to something else, listen to what your customers are asking, and create that solid foundation of information one time that you can then repurpose and use via as many channels as you can come up with. So that's just getting creative again. You don't have to continue to reinvent the wheel. Once you've got that one piece of information you're trying to get out there, you can get really creative with the different strategies to try to get it in front of people in new ways.
1: Excellent. I, you know, see, again, I didn't know you were doing all that.
0: <laughs> Lots going on.
1: I do see your tracking, which is really fun when we have our quarterly updates. So that that's always fun to see that slide of our of our progress and our growth, and we're always amazed with the numbers that you put in front of us. It's it's quite amazing. So Molly, I'd like to um, give you um, an opportunity to just kind of summarize, if you can. I know we gave out a lot of information. What's great is that this will be available in a podcast. But you know, what are the three? Let's put it down to three, three key things that you would like everyone to walk away from this uh, conversation.
0: That's great. Okay, so we can do that. And I'm going to tie in one more question we got out of the chat window into the answer. Ah, so okay. I'd say the first one is, and this the question that came in is about how do you differentiate your marketing in a mature market versus a in a saturated market versus one that's a new product category a new market and i'd say the same strategy i would use there would would resound across any saturated market or new market it's understand what your customers are looking for that they haven't found out there elsewhere and i'd say for numerical we're in a relatively new market here and we've created a lot of these things you know ourselves but there are other competitors out there and always will be and it's been about understanding how we're different listening definitely voice of the customer here listening to exactly what our customers are saying when we when they come to us telling us they've talked to this person this person this person this person already they still don't understand can we explain it to them in a different way so i would say really closely understanding the the needs of your customers i would say being super creative not falling into the trap of the easy button um trying to take things in-house listen to what people are coming to you for so pay attention so for your marketing teams what search terms are leading people to your website what are those do you have content around those if not great place to start building new content and i'd say number three is definitely listen to leadership teams in terms of what is the product in general you can be as cute as you want with your marketing strategy and it could be look, look awesome and be fun colors but if it doesn't actually represent what the product is trying to do or what the mission of the company is it's not going to do anything.
1: Molly, I, I just, this podcast has been probably one of my favorites. And we're going to do the same thing with the niece and some of the other ones. We're going to explore what makes them so awesome. So I really appreciate you uh, coming on uh, this episode and, and talking about marketing because I'm extremely proud um, of the work that you've done and really proud and honored to be a part of what your future might be and watch you just grow. I know you're going to spread those wings. You're going to leave me someday in the future. And um I'll be proud to say, like, I knew Molly. (laughs) I knew Molly when. So we'd like to, you know, thank all of you for joining us on another episode of Tuesday Talks. Uh, We hope to see you all again on Tuesday, June 1st, where we'll be joined by special guest John Bruner of Aegis Mobile to discuss how to attest callers on your network by implementing a local policy solution for stir-shaken. Till next time. Bye.